Hi there! Welcome to a brand new episode of Stories That Made Us. In this episode, we talk about Eric Thorvaldson and Leif Eriksson. Better known as Eric the Red, this remarkable man was a Norse explorer who, according to the medieval sagas of Iceland and Greenland, was the founder of the first settlement of Greenland. His son, Leif Eriksson took after his father and sailed westward, all the way to North America, to the land he named Finland, which is today interpreted as being coastal Nova Scotia in Canada. This week, we tell their tales. This is their stories as written down in the Icelandic saga and recounted by Jenny Hall in her book, The Viking Tales. Details of the book are mentioned in the program notes. I'm very excited about these stories. And so, let's stop dilly-dallying and head straight to our tales. It was a spring day, and all the freemen in the west of Iceland had come to a meeting. Here, they made laws and punished men for having done wrong. The meeting was over now. Men were walking about in the plain and talking. Everybody seemed much excited. Voices were loud. Arms were swinging. It was an unjust decision. Someone cried. Eric killed the men in fair fight. The judges outlawed him because they were afraid. His full Thorgest has many rich and powerful men to back him. No, no, said another. Eric is a bloody man. I am glad he's out of Iceland. Just then, a big man with bushy red hair and a beard stalked through the crowd. He looked straight ahead and scowled. There he goes, people said and turned to look after him. He looked straight ahead of him and scowled. His hands are as red as his beard, some said and frowned. But others looked at him and smiled, saying, He walks like Thor the Fearless. His story would make a fine song, one said, as strong and as brave and as red, mind you, as Thor. Always in a quarrel, a man of many places, Norway, the north of Iceland, the west of Iceland, those little islands off the shore of Iceland, outlawed from all of them on account of his quarrels. Where will he go now, I wonder? This Eric strode down to the shore with his men following. He is in a terrible temper and a dark mood, they said. We should best not talk to him. So they made ready the boat in silence. Eric got into the pilot's seat and they sailed off. Soon they pulled the ship up on their own shore. Eric strolled into his house and called for supper. When the drinking horns had been filled and emptied, Eric pulled himself up and smiled and shouted out so that the great room was full of his big voice. There is no friend like Mead. It always cheers a man's heart. 
Then laughter and talking began in the hall because Eric's good temper had come back. After a while, Eric said, Well, I must be off somewhere. I have been driven about from place to place like a seabird in a storm. And there is always a storm about me. It is my sweat's fault. She is ever itching to break her peace, striving to be out and at the play. She has shut Norway to me, and now Iceland. Where will you go next, old comrade? He said as he pulled out his sword and looked at it, and smiled as the fire flashed on it. There are some of us who will follow you wherever you go, Eric, called a man from across the fire. Is it so? Eric cried, leaping up. Oh, then we shall have some merry times yet. Who'll go with me? More than half the men in the hall jumped to their feet and waved their drinking horns and shouted, I, I. Eric sat down in his chair and laughed. Oh, you bloody birds of battle, he cried, ever hungry for new frolic. Our swords are sisters in blood and we are brothers in adventure. Do you know what is in my heart to do next? Eric jumped to his feet and his face glowed. Then he laughed as he looked at his men. I see the answer flashing from your eyes, he said, that you will do it even if it is to go down to Nilfheim and drag up Hela, the pale queen of the stiff dead. His men pounded on the tables and shouted, yes, yes, anywhere behind Eric. But it is not to Nilfheim, Eric continued. Did you ever hear that story that Gunnbjorn told? He was sailing for Iceland, but the fog came down, and then the wind caught him and blew him far off. While he drifted about, he saw a strange land that rose up white and shining out of a blue sea. Huge ships of ice, he said, sailed out from it and met him. I mean to sail to that land. A great shout went up that shook the rafters. Then the men sat and talked over plans. While they sat, a stranger came into the hall. I have no time to drink, he said. I have a message from your friend Eyjolf. He says that Thorgest with all his men means to come here and catch you tonight. Eyjolf bids you to come to join him and he will hide you until you are ready to start, for he loves you. Hunted like a wolf from corner to corner of the world, Eric cried angrily. Will they not even let me finish one final feast? But then he laughed. But if I were to take my sport like a wolf, I must be hunted like one. So we shall sleep tonight in the woods about Airwolf's house, comrades, instead of these good beds. Well, we have done it before, and it is no bad place, cried some of the men. 
I always like the stars better than a smoky house fire, said one. Can no bad fortune spoil your good nature? laughed Eric. But now, we are off. Let every man carry what he can. And so, they quickly loaded themselves with clothes and gold and swords and spears and kettles of food. Eric led his wife Thorhild and his two sons, Thornstein and Leif. All together they got into the boat and went to Eowulf's farm. For a week or more they stayed in his woods, sometimes in a secret cave of his when they knew that Thorgest was about. And sometimes Eowulf sent for them and said, Thorgest is off, come to my house for a feast. All this time they were making ready for the voyage, repairing the ship and filling it with stores. Word of what Eric meant to do had gone out, and men laughed and said, Is that not like Eric? What will he not do? Some men liked the sound of it and they came to Eric and said, We will go with you to this strange land. One day after the other, the week went by, and eventually all were ready, and they pushed off with Eric's family aboard and those friends who had joined him. They took horses and cattle with them and all kinds of tools and food. I do not well know where this land is, said Eric. Gunnbjorn said only that he sailed east when he came home to Iceland. So I will steer west. We shall surely find something. I do not know either how long we must go. So they sailed that strange ocean, never dreaming what might be ahead of them. They found no islands to rest on. They met heavy fogs. One day, as Eric sat in the pilot's seat, he said, I think I see one of Gunnbjorn's so-called ships of ice. Shall we sail up to her and see what kind of a craft she is? Yes, shouted his men. So they went on toward it. It sends out a cold breath, said one of the men. They all wrapped their cloaks about them. It is a bigger boat than I ever saw before, said Eric. The white mast stands as high as a hill. It is a bigger boat than I ever saw before. It must be giants that sail in it. Frost giants, said he again. But as they came nearer, Eric all at once laughed loudly and called out. By Thor, that Gunnbjorn was a foolish fellow. Why, look, it is only a piece of floating ice such as we sometimes see from Iceland. It is no ship and there is no one on it. His men laughed and one called to another and said, And you thought of frost giants? Then they sailed for days and days. They met many of these icebergs. 
On one of them was a white bear. Yonder is a strange pilot, laughed Eric. I have seen many bears come floating so to the north shore of Iceland, an old man said. Perhaps they come from the land that we are going to find. And so the days passed. One day Eric said, I see far off an iceberg larger than anyone yet. Perhaps that is our white land. But even as he said it, he felt his boat swing under his hand as he held the tiller. He bore hard on the rudder, but he could not turn the ship. What is this? he cried. A strong current is running here. It is carrying our ship away from this land. I cannot make head against it. Out with the oars. So with oars and sail and rudder they fought against this current. But it took the boat along like a chip. And after a while they put up their oars and drifted. Luck, it would seem, has taken us into its own hands. Eric laughed. But this is as good a way as another. Sometimes they were near enough to see the land. Then they were carried out into the sea and thought that they should never see any land again. Perhaps this current will carry us to a whirlpool and suck us under, said some of the men afraid. But at last, Eric felt the current less strong under his hand. To the oars again, he called. So they fought with the current and sailed out of it and went toward the land. But when they reached the shore, they found no place to go in. Steep black walls shot up from the sea. Nothing grew on them. When the men looked above the cliffs, they saw a long line of white cutting the sky. It is a land of ice, they said. They sailed on south, all the time looking for a place to go ashore. I am sick of this endless sea, Thorhild, Eric's wife, complained. But this land is worse. After a while, they began to see small bays cut into the shore with flat patches of green at their sides. They landed in these places and stretched and warmed themselves and ate. But these spots are only big enough for graves, the men said. We cannot live here. So they went on again. All the time, the weather was growing colder and colder. Eric's people kept themselves wrapped in their cloaks and put scarves around their heads. And it is still summer, Thorhild said. What will it be in winter? We must find a place to build a house now before the winter comes on, said Eric. We must not freeze here. And so, they chose a little spot with hills about it to keep off the wind. They made a house out of stones, 
for there were many in that place. They lived there that winter. The sea for a long way out from the shore where they lived in froze, so that it looked like white land. The men went upon it to hunt white bear and seal. They ate the meat and wore the skins to keep them warm. The hardest thing to do was to get fuel for the fire, for no trees grew there. The men found little driftwood along the shore, but it was not enough. So they burned the bones and the fat of the animals they killed. It is a sickening smell, Thorhild said. I have not been out of this mean house for weeks. I am tired of the darkness and the smoke and the cattle. And all the time I hear great noises as though some giant were breaking this land into pieces. Ah, cheer up, good wife. Eric laughed. I smell better luck ahead. Once Eric and his men climbed the cliffs and went back into the middle of the land. When they came home, they had this to tell. This is a country of ice, shining white. Nothing grows on it but a few mosses. From far off it looks flat, but when you walk upon it, there are great holes and cracks. We could see nothing beyond. There seems to be only a fringe of land around the edge of an island of ice. The winter nights were very long. Sometimes the sun showed for only an hour. Sometimes only for a few minutes. And then there were those times when it didn't show at all for a week. The men hunted by the bright shining of the moon or by the northern lights. As it grew warmer, the ice in the sea began to crack and move and melt and float away. Eric waited only until there was a clear passage in the water. Then he launched his boat and they sailed southward again. At last, they found a place that Eric liked. Here I will build my house, he said. So they did and lived there that summer and pastured their cattle and cut hay for the winter and fished and hunted. The next spring Eric said, The land stretches far north. I am hungry to know what is there. Then they all got into the boat again and sailed north. We can leave no one here, said Eric. We cannot tell what might come between us. Perhaps giants or dragons or strange men might come out of this inland ice and kill our people. We must stay together. Farther north, they only found the same bare, frozen country. So after a while, they sailed back to their home and decided to live there. One spring, after they had been in that land for four years, Eric said, My eyes are hungry for the sight of men and green fields again. My stomach is sick of seal and whale and bear. My throat is dry for meat. This is a bear 
and cold and hungry land. I will visit my friends in Iceland. And our swords are rusty with long resting, said his men. Perhaps we can find play for them in Iceland. Ah, now I have a plan, Eric said suddenly. Would it not be pleasant to see other feast halls as we sail along the coast? Oh, it would be a wonderful sight, his men said. Well, said Eric, I'm going to try to bring back some neighbors from Iceland. Now, we must have a name for our land. <laughs> How does Greenland sound? His men laughed and said, It is a very wide Greenland, but men will like the sound of it. It is better than Iceland. So Eric and all his people sailed back and spent the winter with his friends. Ah, Eric, it is good to hear your laugh again, they said. Eric was at many feasts, and he saw many men, and he talked much of his Greenland. The sea is full of whale and seals and great fish, he said. The land has bear and reindeer. There are no men there. Come back with me and choose your land. Many men said they would do just that. Some men went because they thought it would be a great frolic to go to a new country. Some went because they were poor in Iceland and thought, I can be no worse off in Greenland, and perhaps I shall grow rich there. And some went because they loved Eric and wanted to be his neighbors. So the next summer, Thirty-five ships full of men and women and goods followed Eric for Greenland. But they met some heavy storms, and some ships were wrecked, and men drowned. Other men grew heartsick at the terrible storm, and the long voyage with no land on sight. And they turned back to Iceland. So of those thirty-five ships, only fifteen got to Greenland. Only the bravest and the luckiest men come here, Eric said. We shall have good neighbors. Soon, other houses were built along the fjords. It is pleasant to sail along the coast now, said Eric. I see smoke rising from houses and ships standing on the shore and friendly hands waving. So that is how Eric the Red, or Eric Thorvaldsson, the Norse explorer, founded the first settlement in Greenland. We now fast forward to when Eric's son had grown old, and they are ready for adventures of their own. The next story is of life, and how he discovered the new land, which he aptly named Vinland. Now some say Leif Erikson was the first Viking, or indeed the first European to explore the land that was known back then as Vinland, and today as North America. 
Records suggest that he sailed to probably some place near modern-day Newfoundland. So then, let's continue with our tale for the day. Eric had lived in Greenland for 15 years. His sons Thornstein and Life had grown up to be big, strong men. One spring, Life said to his father, I have never seen Norway, our motherland. I long to go there and meet the great men and see the places that the bards, the composers and reciters of poems sing about. Eric answered, It is right that you should go. No man has really lived until he has seen Norway. So Eric helped Life fit out a boat and sent him off. Life sailed for months. He passed Iceland and the Faroes and the Shetlands. Ever curious, he stopped at all of these places and feasted his mind on the new things. And everywhere, men received him gladly. For he was handsome and wise. But at last, he came near Norway. Then he stood up before the pilot's seat and said loudly, My eyes can see her at last, the mother of mighty men, the field of famous fights. In the sky above, I see fair Asgard's shining roofs, the flying hair of Thor, the wings of Odin's birds, the roads that heroes tread. I am here in the land of the gods, the land of mighty men. For a while, he walked the land as though he were in a dream. He looked at this and that and everything and loved them all because it was Norway. I will go to the king, he said. He had never seen a king and there were no kings in Iceland or Greenland. So he went to the city where the king had his fine house. The king's name was Olaf, and he was the great-grandson of Harald Harfair, for Harald had been dead a hundred years. Now the king was going to hold a feast at night, and Life put on his most beautiful clothes to go to it. He put on long tights of blue wool and short jacket of blue velvet. He belted his jacket with a gold girdle. He had shoes of scarlet with golden clasps. He threw around himself a cape of scarlet velvet lined with seal fur. His long sword stuck out from under his cloak. On his head he put a knitted cap of bright colours. Then he walked to the king's feast hall and went through the door. It was a great hall and it was full of richly dressed men. The fires shone on so many golden headbands and bracelets and so many glittering swords and spears on the wall. And there was so much noise of talking and laughing that at first life did not know what to do. 
But at last he went and sat on the very end seat of the bench near him. As the feast went on, King Olaf sat in his high seat and looked about the hall, and noticed this one and that one, and spoke across the fire to many. He was keen-eyed, and soon saw Leif in his far seat. Yonder is some man of mark, the king said to himself. He is surely worth knowing. His face is not the face of a fool. He carries his head like a lord of men. The king then sent a thrall and asked Leif to come to him. So Leif walked down the long hall and stood before the king. I am glad to have you for a guest, the king said. What is your name and country? I am Leif Erikson, and I have come all the way from Greenland to see you and old Norway. From Greenland, said the king. It is not often that I see a Greenlander. Many come to Norway to trade, but they seldom come to the king's hall. I shall be glad to hear about your land. Come up and speak with me. So Leif went up the steps of the high seat and sat down by the king and talked with him. When the feast was over, the king said, You shall live at my court this winter, Leif Erikson. You are a welcomed guest. So Leif stayed there that winter. When he started back in the spring, the king gave him two thralls as a parting gift. Let this gift show my love, Leif Erikson, he said. For your sake, I shall never forget Greenland. Leif sailed back again and had good luck until he was past Iceland. But then, the great winds came out of the north and tossed his ship about so that the men could do nothing. They were blown south for days and days. They did not know where they were. Then they saw land, and Leif said, Surely luck has brought us also to a new country, much like it did with my father. We will go in and see what kind of a place this is. And so he steered his boat for it. As they came near, the men said, We see the great trees and the soft green shore. Surely this is a better country than Greenland or, or even Iceland either. When they landed, they threw themselves upon the ground. I never lay on a bed so soft as this grass, one said. Dollar trees do not grow in Norway, said another. There is no stone here as in Norway, but only good black dirt, then life said. I never saw so fertile a land before. The men were hungry and set about building a fire. 
they pointed to the woods and laughed and rolled their eyes. There is no lack of fuel here, they said. They stayed many days in this country and walked about to see what was there. A German named Tirker was with life. He was a little man with a high forehead and a short nose. His eyes were big and rolling. He had lived with Eric for many years and had taken care of life when he was but a little boy. So life loved him. Now one day they had been wandering about and all came back to the camp at night. All except Turker. When life looked around his companions, he said, Where is Turker? But no one knew. Then life was angry. Is a man of so little value in this empty land that you would lose one? He said. Why did you not keep together? Did you not see that he was gone? Why did you not set out to look for him? Who knows what terrible thing might have happened to him in these great forests? Then life turned and started out to hunt for Tirker. His men followed, silent and ashamed. They had not gone far when they saw Tirker running toward them. He was laughing and talking to himself. Life ran out to him and put his arms about the old man with gladness at seeing him. Why are you so late? he asked. Where have you been? But Tirker was smiling and nodding his head, and he answered in German. He pointed to the woods and laughed and rolled his eyes. Again, life asked his question and put his hand around Tirker's shoulder as though he would shake him. Then Tirker answered in the language of Iceland. I have not been so very far, but I found something wonderful. What is it? cried the men. I have found grapes growing wild answered Tirker, and he laughed, and his eyes shone. It cannot be, life said. Grapes do not grow in Greenland, nor in Iceland, nor even in Norway, he said. And so it seemed a wonderful thing to these Norsemen. Can I not tell grapes when I see them, cried Tirker. Did I not grow up in Germany where every hillside is covered with grapevines? Ah, it seems like my old home. It then truly must be wonderful, life said. I've heard travelers tell of seeing grapes growing, but I never myself saw it. You shall take us to them early next morning, Tirker. And so, in the morning, they went back into the woods and saw the grapes. They ate many of them. They are like food and drink, they cried. That day, after eating grapes to their heart's content, life said, We spent most of the summer on the ocean. Winter will soon be coming on, 
and the sea about Greenland will be frozen. We must start back. I mean to take some of the things of this land to show to our people at home. We will fill the rowboat with grapes and tow it behind us. The ship we will load with logs from these great trees. That will be a welcome shipload in Greenland, where we have neither trees nor vines. Now half of you shall gather grapes for the next few days, and the other half shall cut timber. And so they did, and after a week they sailed off. The ship was full of lumber, and they towed the rowboat loaded with grapes, and they looked back at the shore. And as they looked back at the shore, life said, I will call this country Vinland, for the grapevines that grow on it. Then all the men waved their hands to the shore and gave a great shout for that good land. For all that voyage they had fair weather and sailed into Eric's harbour before the winter came. Eric saw the ship and ran down to the shore. He took life into his arms and said, Oh, my son, my old eyes ached to see you. I hunger to hear of all that you have seen and done. Luck has followed me all the way, said life. See what I have brought home. The Greenlanders looked. Lumber, lumber, they cried. Oh, this is better stuff than gold. Then they saw the grapes and tasted them. Surely you must have plundered Asgard, they said, smacking their lips. At the feast that night, Eric said, Life shall sit in the place of honour. And so life sat in the high seat opposite Eric. All men thought of life as a handsome and wise man, and he told them of the storm and of Vinland. No man would ever need a cloak there, he said. The soil is richer than the soil of Norway. Grain grows wild, and you yourselves saw the grapes that we got from there. The forests are without end, and the sea is full of fish. The Greenlanders listened with open mouths to all this. They turned and talked to life's shipmates who were scattered among them. Life then noticed two strangers, an old man who sat at Eric's side and a young beautiful woman on the cross branch. He turned to his brother Thorstein who sat next to him. Who are these strangers? he asked. Thorbjorn and his daughter Gudrid, Thorstein answered. They landed here this spring. I never saw our father more glad of anything than to see Thornbjorn. They were friends before we left Iceland. When they saw each other again, they could not talk enough of old times. In the spring, Eric means to give him a farm up the fjord away. It seems that this Thorbjorn comes from a good family that has been rich and great in Iceland for years. 
and Thorbjorn himself was rich when our father knew him and was much honored by all men. But ill luck came and he grew poor. This hurt his pride. I will not stay in Iceland and be a beggar, he said to himself. I will not have men look at me and say, he is not what his father was. I will go to my friend Eric the Red in Greenland. Then he got ready a great feast and invited all his friends. It was such a feast as had not been seen in Iceland for years. Thorbjorn spent on it all the wealth he had left. For he said to himself, I will not leave in shame. Men shall remember my last feast. And after that he set out and came to Greenland. Is Gudrid not beautiful? Then life said, I mean to marry her if father will permit it. And so, life settled down in Greenland and became a great man there. He was so busy and he grew so rich that he did not think of going to Vinland again. But people could not forget his story. Many nights as men sat about the long fires, they talked of that wonderful land and wished to see it. That is all we have time for in this episode. Hope you enjoyed the story of Eric the Red and Life the Explorer of Vinland. If you did, please spend a few seconds to rate and comment on the podcast. It helps us out immensely. Also, don't forget to share the episode with your friends and family. But that is only after you have subscribed to us. Join us on Twitter and Instagram by following the handle at stories THTMDEUS. That's at stories THTMDEUS. Details of our social media footprints are all in the show notes. I've now run out of things to say, so until we meet again next week, goodbye.